he spells his name incorrectly. Oh, that sucks. Hi, everybody. Sean here. You know me. You look... Well, you know me, okay? Uh, I just wanted to have kind of a little interim thing here before episode... uh, Was it 131 that we're doing next with um, Snake Pit and Wacko? Oh, what could the theme be? Ooh. But anyway, I just wanted to give you all a heads up. Uh, Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get a full episode out this month because uh, basically schedules getting in the way. We don't have enough. uh, We cannot get together at the proper time to do a full episode, uh, partly because of our work schedules and also... um, I don't know if uh, Jim ever mentioned this to anybody, but he's going to Iceland soon. So he's going to be literally out of the country on his uh, wedding anniversary trip. But regardless, I just wanted to do something. And I realized that in the time since we last talked to you, there was Midwest Gaming Classic. So I figured, why not a review of Midwest Gaming Classic and my experiences of said show. This year, I went by myself. Jim couldn't make it, unfortunately, because of uh, work schedules and things. We did not have a pie factory table in the vendor hall, and uh, I kind of like it that way because it's a lot cheaper. (laughs) Don't have to pay for the table, don't have to pay for the electricity, and uh, I could just walk about as I so want without having to get back to the table. So it's nice going as just a regular, everyday purchaser. Now, here's how it goes. Midwest Gaming Classic is in downtown Milwaukee. I live in the city of Chicago. Usually, I would just drive to Milwaukee like anybody else. The only problem is when my wife and I moved to Chicago, we ditched both of our cars and uh, basically traded them in for one main car that we each share. So if one of us has the car, the other can't drive anywhere. So I asked my wife, do you want me to leave the car? I could rent a car. And that way you don't have to get all your stuff done Friday before I leave and you'll have access to the car in case, God forbid, you or say the dog has to go to the hospital or if you want to go out and do some shopping or get some other errands done. And she said, actually, yeah, that's a good idea. So I looked into renting a car. The rental place that we usually use moved. And where it moved was uh, not really convenient to us. And the places that I could rent from, they just weren't open on Sundays, or at least the ones that were, weren't open past noon. The problem is, I was planning to be in Milwaukee until Sunday at 5. Then I thought about it. What about Amtrak? And that actually worked out well, because the trip from Chicago to Milwaukee on Amtrak's Hiawatha service is dirt freaking cheap. I figured I'll just take an Uber or a cab or something to Union Station downtown, take the hour and a half train trip, and I'm there. The hotel where I was staying, which was the Cambria, which Midwest Gaming Classic added as a partner hotel at the last minute, was just a couple of blocks away from the train station. So I figured, why not? I could just get off the train, walk to my hotel. And uh, so that's what I did. Uh, I got to tell you, the train trip between Chicago and Milwaukee is kind of boring because it's basically seeing the backyards of the suburbs. It's not very scenic, but I'll tell you what, it's easy, it's quick, 
And uh, it was really cool because there are electrical outlets at all the seats, including in coach where I was. I mean, yeah, I don't think they have first class service on the Hiawatha uh, trips, but I went into the quiet car, which turned out not to be quiet at all because everybody was yelling at each other and nobody was enforcing it. And I was kind of ticked off. Got into Milwaukee. And, uh, man, that's a dinky train. They have literally one gate for the trains. A union station in Chicago has like 12, I think. But I walked over to my hotel, which was not the easiest thing to do, despite it being very close. And uh, I decided not to go to the show on Friday night because I was just so burnt out. I had a really rough work week. I was really tired. I didn't want to have to walk all the way to the convention center. Uh, the... Uh, Wisconsin Center was only a few blocks away, but man, I was too exhausted. I said, screw it. I will sacrifice Friday night. It's only a few hours anyway. So I just chilled in the hotel room, had dinner, went to the pool. And uh, that's the reason I chose the Cambria, because of all the partner hotels, that was the only one with a pool. And I like to chill out in some water. So went to the pool and it was overrun by little kids with maybe two adults supervising. Well, I don't know if I'd call it supervising. They were just sitting there looking at their phones with uh, little kids running all over the place, screaming, ignoring the no diving rules, parents not enforcing it. And uh, I was the only adult in the water and I felt like a pedophile, so I didn't stay very long. It's a shame because it was a really nice pool, very perfect, warm water. And on my way back to my room, I realized there are little kids all over the frickin' place. And uh, I found out why. Apparently, there was a gymnastics competition going on, a middle school gymnastics competition. So that's why. Everybody was in Milwaukee for that. But I went to my room. Um, I figured, well, at least I should play some video games because I'm here for Midwest Gaming Classic. I brought my Collector Vision Phoenix along with uh, my Bluetooth Sega Genesis controller from 8-Bit Doe and my Edladen adapter so I could uh, basically use all three of those things. And uh, the Edladen adapter, its uh, I don't think Ed makes it anymore, but it's not just the cable to the Genesis controller that I'm talking about, but it's the, uh, the little box that has a keypad on it for ColecoVision compatibility. You can plug any 8-pin joystick into it and it'll work on a multitude of systems. It has all kinds of different outputs and it has a uh, switch on it where, where you can give it a little extra power boost that some instances need it for. Uh, for example, if you need to um, select the core selection screen on the Collector Vision Phoenix, you need to flip the switch on. But unfortunately, I found that uh, the adapter device didn't power enough for the Bluetooth connector to pair properly. So I basically brought my Collector Vision Phoenix for nothing. I guess I could have brought a, a wired controller, but hey, live and learn. In fact, <laughs> actually, the next day at the uh, at the show, I actually looked for a wired Sega Genesis controller, but I realized, no, I think I have one at home. I don't want to keep buying stuff just because I forgot it. But I chilled in the uh, hotel room, had some dinner, played a couple of uh, games in MAME, actually, and uh, went to bed, woke up the next day, went to uh, the Wisconsin Center where Midwest Gaming Classic is. I got in line. I was in li the line to get your actual tickets to like redeem for the wristbands was hugely long, but it did move pretty fast. I was impressed. And uh, I went straight to the vendor hall. And I think within five minutes of just being in the building, I ran into like seven people I know, including um, longtime Pie Factory supporter Nate Lockhart. 
and I spent a lot of time going through the vendor hall. I'm actually looking at the pictures I took as I talk here. I know this is audio, but still, uh, one vendor I saw, I wish I had gotten his name, but he had these cool signs with uh, video game characters and other things. Uh, Nothing I was interested in until I noticed there was a metal sign that was supposed to be a movie poster for Threat Level Midnight. And if you're a fan of The Office, you know exactly what that is. I took a picture of it, sent it to my wife, and she responded, buy that. The metal sign was 60 bucks. I didn't want to pay 60 bucks for that, but uh, he was offering cardboard prints as well for like 10 bucks or something. And I thought, okay, that I would pay for. So I got that. I got another print from that vendor with uh, Duke Silver. And if you know Parks and Rec, you know why that's awesome. Also, Sean Kelly was there with uh, his Vectrex stuff, as he usually is. He had uh, for sale reproduction overlays. I forgot the name of the guy on Facebook who sells his own uh, Vectrex overlays. I think Stephen Cray or something. I got a couple from him, too. He wasn't a Midwest gaming class guy. I mean, I have previously bought from him online. But uh, Sean Kelly was there with his Vectrex overlays, and I need Vectrex overlays. Now, the cool thing about my wife not going to Milwaukee with me this time is that she was home. So I messaged her. I said, there's a binder on the bookcase over in Pie Factory Headquarters North. If you can, please go grab that binder and let me know what Vectrex overlays I have, because I didn't remember which ones I already had. So she sent back a list, and I picked a few from Sean Kelly's display. I asked him, too. I said, hey, Sean, do you sell these in your store? Because he has his uh, store video games then and now in Harwood Heights, Illinois, just outside of the Chicago border. And he said, no, I don't sell these in the store, because if he did, then I wouldn't have even bothered with my wife. I just would have gone home, figured out what I already had, then gone to the store. But no, he didn't have, uh, he doesn't offer those in his store. So I got that. And also he has his famous multi-cart. What I didn't know was that he also has a hacked multi-cart. It's like his standard multi-cart, but instead, the games are all hacked for infinite lives, and they have other tweaks like that, and I figured that's a pretty cool thing to have, so I bought that too. Oh, and uh, Sean Kelly's overlays, they are just like the original Vectrex overlays in terms of thickness and everything. The only thing about them is in small print off to the side. It says, a reproduction overlay by Sean Kelly. So I got a couple of those. Also, I saw in the vendor hall, I don't know if it's pronounced like an acronym or spelled out, WATA or W-A-T-A. And uh, they had a huge table at one of the corners with uh, very sharp looking guys in uh, black polo shirts. And from what I could tell, nobody was visiting them. Nobody. And I'm thinking to myself, aren't these the people that everybody's complaining about because they don't know what they're talking about and they're affecting... uh, game values and everything. Turns out, yeah, that's exactly what they were. And it turns out a couple of days after Midwest Gaming Classic, a huge lawsuit was slapped on them. So I don't know any of the details about that. I'm not going to go into it, but they were there. Uh, Pat Contry was right around the corner from those guys. I saw him at at a table there. Oh, and uh, Warren Davis, who was uh, one of the creators of Qbert, he created the game itself. He was there. I was pleasantly surprised to see him there because I never heard his name mentioned in conjunction with Midwest Gaming Classic. And on top of that, it turned out I was in the middle of reading his book, Creating Hubert. 
And so I brought it with me so I could read in the hotel room. So I saw him there, ran back to my hotel room, grabbed the book and had him autograph it. And uh, Warren is a fun guy to talk to, which doesn't surprise me given that he teamed up with Jeff Lee back at Gottlieb. And uh, Jeff is a fun guy to talk to as well. If you get a chance to talk to Warren Davis, definitely do. He's uh, a fascinating guy. He's a friendly guy, funny guy. And he was doing card tricks for people too while he was there. (laughs) I was surprised not to see Jeff at Midwest Gaming Classic. I usually do, but I don't think he was there. But hey, there was some kind of Gottlieb representation. And uh, oh, speaking of game values in the vendor hall, I don't know about all video game systems, but I noticed that the prices of Atari 2600 cartridges were a lot more reasonable this year than they were, say, last year and 2019. For example, in uh, 2021, I saw an unboxed pitfall, just the bare cartridge itself, with I think a $14 price tag on there. I'm like, dude, you gotta be freaking kidding me. I didn't even pay that much for my boxed copy. But um, yeah, most uh, loose cartridges were going for like One thing I did find peculiar, though, I did not see a single occurrence of adventure in the vendor hall. At previous Midwest Gaming Classics, I would see ridiculously high price tags for that. It's one of the most common games on the system. But because adventure played a key role in the book and movie Ready Player One, especially when the movie came out, They jacked up the price on adventure. I don't know why that's just ridiculous, but I noticed that there wasn't a single adventure within sight. I I had my eye out for it just to see if prices on those had been more reasonable, but I'm wondering if dealers did not bring those to create artificial shortages. You know what I'm saying? I didn't buy any cartridges this year. Well, okay. Except for the uh, Sean Kelly hacked multi-cart, but that's mainly because I have a harmony cart. And uh, for the 7800, I have a Dragonfly cart and, oh, the other one. I can't think of the name. Not, oh, not, is it the Concerto that got remade recently? I don't know. Yeah, I think it is the Concerto. I think they did remake the Concerto. I, I, I have two 7800 multi-carts. That's all you need to know. So I did not need to buy any 7800 cartridges. I didn't need to buy any 2600 cartridges. Uh, Pack Rat Games was there with some homebrews that, I probably couldn't play in a multi-cart, but the thing is, I already had the ones they have, so I didn't buy anything from them. As usual, I went to the Guys Games and Beer Room. Uh, Those of you not familiar with them, they're based out of, I think, Racine, Wisconsin, which is uh, near the Illinois border, and they're all about supporting independent game makers, and of course, they're all about beer. They take their beer very seriously, but they have an amazing setup. They have a room not far from the vendor hall. I think it might have been a floor above the vendor hall, but they had a huge room. Basically, they want people to come in and play games. They had a Quake LAN set up on a series of old-school iMacs, and um, just about every video game console you could think of, they had out for people to play. They had a couple of Vectrices. Uh, They had an Atari 2600, a 7800. They had everything except Amiga's. And I asked Tom from Guys, Games, and Beer, I said, hey, Tom, I see that uh, there aren't any Amigas here. Usually you do have like an Amiga 1200, maybe another Amiga. And he said, oh, we still have Amigas, believe me. But the thing is, sometimes they can be a little bit tricky to operate and set up. And uh, we just don't want people to have a hard time with anything. We want people to just be able to plug and play and be done with it. 
So we just left the Amigas out today. So I was like, oh, okay. And as usual, they had the Vect Rex, V-E-C-T hyphen R-E-X, which is basically an arcade cabinet style Vectrex. <laughs> you can play Vectrex games on it, but it's a full-size screen, full-size overlays, and you push a button to advance the overlays so you have the proper overlay for the game. Arcade-style controls and everything. It's a really cool little device. Well, really cool. Big device they have there. And uh, it's always a fun time going to check those guys out. And every year on Saturday night, they play Werewolf after the show closes. I keep telling myself, all right, I'm going to join them for a game of Werewolf, and I never do. Well, this year, I was just dead exhausted. I just wanted to sleep. Next year, for sure, I will. I will go and play Werewolf with uh, with Guys Games and Beer. <laughs> On Sunday, I think it was Sunday, or was it later Saturday? I don't know. It might have been both, actually. There's another hall where they have the gaming museum, which basically has tables and tables and tables with uh, all kinds of vintage computers and consoles with games out that you can play, of course. And over to the left, they have what they call future classics, which are basically brand new games. And uh, they have a pinball section off further down into the left. Mostly with new pinball machines from uh, various vendors, especially Stern, I think. And there's also an arcade video game section. And the main purpose really for that is for people to sell their arcade cabinets. But they're all out on free play so people can play them. In fact, there were a couple that were marked not for sale. So they were just out for people to enjoy. One of them was a Qbert cabinet autographed by Jeff Lee on the side with the original marquee, the one that didn't have the name of the game on it, but instead it had the Qbert uh, swear bubble, I guess. And it was autographed to Shane Jeff Lee. And it turns out it was uh, the cabinet owned by Shane uh, Gutbrod, I think his uh, name is, who was one of the creators of Cosmotrons. I didn't see Shane there, but I know he was there somewhere. Uh, I don't think Cosmotrons had a display at the uh, show this year, which is, which is a shame. That's a great game. If you ever get a chance to try out Cosmotrons, go for it. It is a really, really cool Gravatar-type game. Uh, it's with it's a multiplayer game, so much fun. All the arcade cabinets that were out there were actually being auctioned off by Ryan Berger from Old School Gamer Magazine. There was an auction on Sunday, and uh, I remember there was one game. Oh, man, I forgot what it was. It was kind of a Mortal Kombat kind of a game. Shoot, I forgot what it was called, but allegedly it was... Uh, going for like $3,300 on eBay. The dude couldn't get a bid past, say, $50, $55 for the longest time, and it ended up going for $75. Uh, there was also a Baby Pac-Man for auction. And uh, Baby Pac-Man, we haven't talked about that on the podcast yet. We do plan to do that eventually, of course, especially because I'm a big Pac-Man fan. Baby Pac-Man is not a good game. It's a thrown-together hack made by Bally's Pinball Division. It's not even a hack of Pac-Man, really. It's just something they, they whipped up really quickly to sell surplus equipment, I think. It's a lame pinball game, a really annoying video game, yet everybody wanted to freaking play it, including me. Including me. Yeah, yeah here's something to think about. It's a lame video game, lame pinball game, but somehow it's an awesome game on the Atari 7800. Figure that one out. But yeah, I ended up getting a six-digit score, but there was a lot of people wanting to play that game. Uh, so I played the... Oh, oh! speaking of Amigas, in the uh, gaming museum, I saw an Amiga 500 out for uh, for play, 
And I got a little emotional over it. I really did because I miss having an Amiga. I remember when I had my Amiga 600, when I upgraded to a 4000, I practically had to pay someone to take the 600 off my hands. And then when the new generation Amigas came out, the Amiga 1s, the Micro Amiga 1C, I got one of those. And again, I had a hard time getting rid of the Amiga 4000. Now, try to get an Amiga for a reasonable price. You cannot. You cannot. (laughs) But uh, the Amiga had a game loaded in it. I forgot what it was called. It was called... Oh, what the heck was it called? Uh, It was a puzzle game. A really interesting puzzle slash platform game. I think it had the letters PP in it. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Okay, Beavis and Butthead laugh here. (laughs) (laughs) There was an Atari 7800 out with uh, Ricky and Vicky playing in it. Those of you not familiar, Ricky and Vicky is a game that just came out a few years ago for the Atari 7800 that's practically entirely custom hearts. Uh, It's got a Yamaha sound chip inside and everything. It is seriously an insanely great game in terms of graphics, in terms of sound, in terms of playability. The only thing wrong with it, though, is you can't save your progress and there are no passwords or anything. So every time you play the game, you start from the beginning. I think the Steam version is different, though. I think it does let you save your progress. But that was out for play. And in fact, there was another Atari 7800 that was out and a little write-up about the Atari 7800, what it was. And it said something like, Classics on the Atari 7800 include Food Fights, um, what else, uh, Ball Blazer, Ricky and Vicky. <laughs> so it included like a 2017 game in that list. <laughs> That's how good that game is. They wanted to be, they wanted to uh, mention it. Somebody else had a little thing called Stoogeomatic that I couldn't quite figure out what it was supposed to be. It didn't have anything on it other than... Uh, a pedal that you're supposed to put your foot on to select a new stooge short or something, a three stooges short that is. And uh, there was somebody kind of sort of demonstrating it, but I still couldn't follow. And uh, on Sunday, the stooge-o-matic was nothing but Rick Astley's never going to give you up video. So go figure. Also in the museum, there was a, uh, I think it was a Tengen, or at least it was supposed to be a Tengen display. There is a an Atari games visor an Atari games, baseball cap, I think, a Tengen video games key ring, a Tengen carpenter's pencil or something, and a pack of Klax cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pack of cigarettes and it says there is time for Klax. And at the bottom of it, it says charcoal filter. So yeah, it is the nineties and there is time for lung cancer. (laughs) Good grief. There was a display of uh, Ralph bears, brown box, uh, I There were a lot of people around, so I didn't really get a chance to look at the write-up that was next to it, but it was a really cool-looking thing. It's a brown box. Well, it's literally a brown box with all kinds of switches on it and two uh, what look like are arcade-style paddle controllers with two rotaries on each of them. So that was, uh, that was an interesting uh, thing to look at there. And one popular thing, one popular exhibit in this little museum was a wall that had the history and evolution of the video game cartridge. And that's exactly what it was. It had an example of video game cartridges from, let me see, if I'm, I'm looking at the picture now, one, two, three, four, roughly, I would say roughly 25 consoles, give or take, with a little description of each style of uh, 
video game cartridge, just a couple of words. Like there is a uh, Odyssey, uh, Odyssey 2 in television, Arcadia 2001, ColecoVision, Jaguar 32X. So that way you can see how video game cartridges evolved and uh, I guess devolved. And not far from there, there was an Atari remote control video computer system that I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of a remote control version of it. I've heard of remote control controllers, but not an entire console that was remote control. So that was an interesting find. It wasn't being used. It was in, uh, it was encased in, uh, uh, plastic or something. So nobody was actually using it. I didn't get to see it in action. One of the popular items in the vendor hall was a digital name tag. So I had to hop on the bandwagon and get one of those things. It costs only 25 bucks. It's programmable. Uh, you connect a micro USB cable to it and you can load up an app on your PC. Uh, they don't have a Mac or Linux app for it, but I found that running a, a really old version of Windows virtually worked, but you could program. Most people just had the guy program their names into it, but I think you can put like eight different messages into it and kind of rotate between them or among them, pardon me, grammar. And uh, those things are really cool. I'm, I'll put some pictures up of uh, what I saw during my trip. And uh, I, I had a really good time. It was a great show this year. Oh, oh yeah, one other thing. There were the Harp Twins. I'd never heard of them, but they were these uh, very attractive young blonde twins. And uh, my first thought was, okay, they're here for eye candy. But it turns out, no. The reason that they were there is because part of their repertoire is video game music. So that's really the reason, or maybe maybe it was because of eye candy. I don't know. But they were really good. I watched them play for uh, for a little bit. They were playing outside of uh, the vendor hall on Sunday. And uh, they each play these, like not like orchestral harps that you'd see at a symphony, but those uh, uh, smaller ones that you'd see at a Renaissance fair. And uh, let me tell you, if you've never heard Dream On by Aerosmith as done by a harp duet, you have not lived. Uh, I'll, in fact, here, let's uh, listen to a little bit of it. There, didn't that sound cool? Yeah. Oh, and uh, I guess I should also mention... I saw Brian Colon. I saw him. He was uh, located right next door to the uh, Harp Twins table, actually. And uh, I talked to him and his wife for a while. Brian, of course, also being known as King Henry VIII, because apparently we mentioned his name too much. (laughs) So we decided, okay, we're going to call him King Henry VIII from now on. I told his wife that that's what we call him. And she said, what does that mean for me? I'm his first wife. But I talked with his wife for a while. She is a fun person to talk to. I can totally see why the two of them have been married so long. They're they're both fun people to talk to. Uh, and uh, Brian told me that he's officially retired now, except that he found himself uh, being a lot more busy now that he doesn't have a full-time job. <laughs> and he said Midwest Gaming Classic was the last thing he was doing for the rest of the year. Any other invitations he gets, he's turning down because... He's, I think, working on a general chaos game right now, and he just wants to devote his entire time to that, getting that out the door. But again, it was a great show this year, Uh, and it's really hitting me lately that downtown Milwaukee, there's not much to do there. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a nice area, and I felt perfectly safe walking around, even when I was 
walking to my hotel with all my crap with me. But there's nothing to do like after five. Maybe there's a couple of restaurants open, but that's about it. There's this uh, big place that's kind of a combination mall slash apartment building slash I don't know what else. Uh, There's a Walgreens there, a TJ Maxx, many apartments. There's a dog training slash boarding facility there. There's a tennis court, a volleyball court, and uh, a huge food court that has like independent uh, vendors and uh, brew pub kind of places too. But even that was just dead. The Walgreens closes at seven, which man, it's a, it's a drugstore. You want to keep that sucker open for a while. But it was just fascinating walking around that place. The Riverside Theater, where I've been to see shows before, actually, Carol Burnett was performing, and they have this marquee, but only in in black and white, in little tiny letters, it just says, Carol Burnett. I mean, dude, that's Carol freaking Burnett. That's a huge name. You gotta give her something more than just Carol Burnett. You should put something like, Riverside Theater is proud to welcome the legendary Carol Burnett. But no, it just says Carol Burnett. And while I was walking back to my hotel room, I noticed that there was a parking deck that I passed that had embossed on it, Gimbal's Parking. And I'm like, dude, this dates that so much. When was Gimbal's last open? I think the 80s. (laughs) But hey, it was an active parking deck. Uh, Oh, yeah. One other thing I forgot to mention. At uh, Midwest Gaming Classic, there was a a little station out there called Mamava or M-A-M-A-V-A with uh, a logo that looks like a pair of, well, breasts with a smiley face. And uh, you look at the door and it says privacy for pumping or breastfeeding. And I'm thinking, why am I fascinated by this? Why is this a modern concept? That's perfect, because women go to this too. They need a spot for it too, you know? I thought that was really cool that that was there. Just uncool that it's the first time I ever saw something like that. but. Glad that something like that was there. It kind of reminded me of how uh, I didn't notice it this time, but at a previous Midwest gaming classic, there was a big sign that said cosplay is not consent and basically telling people do not touch people unless they specifically give you permission to do that and all this. And I'm thinking this is great that it's there, but terrible that it has to be. But again, great time. My hat goes off to uh, Dan Lucen for pulling this show off. I know he was stressing out about it big time, and it turned out it was a big success, and uh, they're already planning the next one, and I can't wait for the next one. Took Amtrak back, and uh, this time I sat in the quiet car, and it actually was quiet, and it was awesome. But uh, that was my Midwest Gaming Classic experience, and again, I'll throw some pictures up sometime. But in the meantime, uh, Jim and I will be back in June, unless something really stupid happens, with uh, our little talk about Snake Pit and Wacko. And uh, we're going to turn off Patreon donations for the month because, you know, we didn't have an episode out. Anyway, um, talk to you guys and gals um, very, very soon. Molybdenum and support your local arcade if you were lucky enough to have one. And if you're not lucky enough to have one, see if you can go out and visit one. And stick your tongue out of your mouth and wag it up and down as fast as you can.